welcome to Talent Savvy, the podcast that inspires you on all things talent. In this episode, we'll be talking about remote work. Yes, remote work again. Why? Because we haven't mastered it yet and there's just so much to learn. And we've got two experienced experts on this show and we've got some research to share with you on the topic as well. So I hope you enjoy the show. Today I'm joined by Lucy Williams and Akbar Karenga, uh, both in the UK. Uh, welcome both. Hi, Bas. Hey, how you doing? I am awesome. How are you, Akbar? I'm good, I'm good. I'm tired, I've got a newborn in, in the house, but loving life. And Lucy, enjoying? I really know you recently went to South Africa for to meet your team for the first time, which is working remote. Yes, correct. Yeah, gosh, I'm, I'm due another visit, actually. It's coming up to the... It's supposed to be a quarterly thing. So yeah, I'll be there soon, hopefully. I'll be complaining about it's too hot in the UK and then wanting to go to South Africa to cool down. All right. So we are going to be talking about remote work today. And Akbar, you've got a news article on that as well, right? Yeah, so like, this is going to be surprising for anyone who knows me, but it's a, it's a nature article about virtual communication, curbing idea generation. It's looking at in-person teams and talking about the quality of ideas and what they create and how actually using remote features brings, what would you say, like less creativity and is less, is a lesser than getting everyone around in one space. Yeah. Yeah. I read it as well. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting one because um, the article I found in the news was actually also an academic paper where quoting two academic uh, studies here, which is really interesting for our news section. But it actually showed that in data output from uh, teams that went remote, and this is academic uh, collaboration, actually increased the number of what they call breakthrough innovations, because they are able to unlock more talent and being able to really... Uh, work together well as well and there's just more talent which might not be accessible for all in-person collaborations which was really interesting and so we have two opposing viewpoints here which is really interesting and I think that's actually the entire debate about remote so uh, before both of the articles will be shared in show notes Um, but before we start let's get a quick word from our sponsor European Talent Intelligence. What does it mean? Imagine a world where it's easier for you to find and know your target group. Where it's easier to recruit and attract the talent you need from a European talent pool. Every year, thousands of corporate recruiters, HR departments and intermediaries rely on Intelligence Group to make that dream a reality. Intelligence Group is the European market leader in recruitment talent intelligence. With innovative dashboards and tailor-made research in 28 European countries. It is our job to empower you as a state-of-the-art, data-driven recruitment business partner. Recruiting with data is great. Recruiting with Intelligence Group is better. Learn more about our services at intelligence-group.nl Intelligence Group, market leader in European talent intelligence. And we are back. So we're talking remote work here. And yes, a lot has been said about remote, but 
not enough, I guess, because we're still debating it. Everybody is debating it. And let's be very honest, it is quite new. Now, Lucy, you actually have a remote team and you've been working remote for some time. Um, being located in the UK yourself, first you worked for a company whose most of the team was in Germany. Now most of your team is in South Africa, if I'm not mistaken. How is remote for you? I mean, you're the most experienced from a practical perspective here. Um, yeah, first of all, it is that topic that won't go away, um, probably because I don't think we've really mastered it. Um My experience is it's what you make of it. If you'd have said to me five years ago, you're going to be working remotely, I would have said no chance because I'm a very sociable person and I enjoy, I thrive being around others. But obviously the situation forced us into remote working. I guess the positives of it from a recruitment standpoint has been able to reach more diverse pools of talent that you wouldn't have necessarily had before. You know, we have these companies, we have geo set up now that can actually employ people without having to do the entity etc so yes it opens up opportunities to hire from different talent pools but i think it's what it what we haven't found the solution for regardless of the of the communication channels is for me personally you cannot beat an in-person relationship building i got so much out of my visit to south africa more than i would have got from a month's worth of zoom calls or two months worth of zooms and slaps etc so for me i love the fact that my company gave me the freedom to kind of manage my work-life balance and i can get you know i can get a coffee in two seconds rather than 20 minutes i enjoy the fact that it opens up for me hiring I've got the world is my oyster, more or less. But I think where I challenge is that kind of in-person interactions, which I really thrive from. And I think that's actually the entire debate on remote summarized. Mm. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it is, isn't it? Uh, Agbar, you've, you've done a lot of remote work, if I'm not mistaken, as well for EF Education at some point, if I'm not mistaken, you were part remote. Yeah, so I've actually, so I've done the classic 70-man sales force in one office and have to shave all the way to me having a beautiful office in Shanghai, central London or Zurich, but all of my team, uh, I was hiring for people everywhere to two or three last startups, which were remote first distributed and international. And I meet that team once a year for a kickoff. So I, I, I've been on that journey. I was interested in the article because it's uh, one of the frame lines is like something is necessary but not sufficient. So the study um, looked at the number of ideas an engineer will create as a small group online, and then the number of ideas if they're created if they're in the same room, and then a different group of uh, a different cohort of engineers will be judging the quality of ideas. So it's not just a, a rude number there. I think Lucy, you touched on it already. If we view it just as like a singular what is the output of that? We don't think about, okay, what was the cost to hire? What was the speed to hire for that team? Okay, um, we're assuming, for example, that this is done synchronously. What if we said, okay, in a 24-hour period, how many ideas, how many, let me run and pick up this, let me do this, let me do that, let me nibble at work across the day as opposed to it be needing to live. And then there's also the quality of hire that you can create if you take off your second or third biggest uh, budget line out of a, um, a company. So I like how there's there's some rigor behind what they're doing. And I think 
they ask an important question, but then they can't talk and go at length about some of the other topics. Now, and, and that's what I loved about the, the, the Vox article, because they actually, I, I, what I don't like about the Vox article is that they don't take into consideration the fact that you just get better at working remote if you've been doing it for longer. They basically said the tooling has gotten better because they, they go back to, to a long time, basically before two teams, before Zoom. And they said, well, since Teams and Zoom and stuff like that, collaboration has become better, you know, tools like Miro and, and those kinds of things. We've gotten better at the tooling, so we're able to create better IDs. And I actually think that in part it's we've gotten better at the tooling, but we've also gotten better at humans. And what I've actually been noticing, because most of my clients are in part remote, one of them has been using Teams forever as a government organization. And they've been uh, literally for the last 10 years, they said, if you want to call in, it's always okay to call in. And one of the other government agencies, it was, ooh, panic, uh, pandemic, ooh, you, uh, ouch, we can't go to the office again. Let's all install. And they're actually physically still installing tools for it right now. And you just see that everybody's like, can we have a physical meeting? Does this really need to be remote? It's really interesting to see how the experience of, yeah, it can be, really helps, I think, the remote work. Um, on the other hand, it does nothing, as Lucy, uh, as you said, nothing helps them to build connections than in-person uh, meetings. And I love the fact that we can see each other again because it makes the Zoom meetings or the Teams meetings so much easier as well. I do wonder if you've, if in some cases, gone a little bit too far in the remote ways of working and, you know, working async and trying to reduce our meetings. Yes, that's that's awesome. We always want time back. But sometimes I think you get lost. It's, it's very easy to get lost in, I don't know, the, the email or, or the Slack chat and a simple picking up the phone which replaces the popping over to somebody's desk can actually resolve something a lot quicker than than working async. And I do wonder at what point do we say, where's the balance? Like when when have we gone too far with all these tools available to us? Okay. So I'm like a vocal evangelical and zealot about we haven't gone further enough. But I think you you raise a really good interesting point about when can you get like instant yes no's to a decision. And so what I've seen a company do really well in my previous career is actually create a, a Slack channel where it's just a voice note space where you just literally just go, oh, by the way, anyone who can hear this, here's A, B, Z question. And then it's it's everything out. Um, currently at my company now, we're, we're looking at, okay, how can we get that serendipity? And we've decided to kind of bring down all of our channels down to like four or five so that when it does get, that message does get sent out, it's not lost in the ether. And it's that one person who's going through all their DMs. It's actually who else from the, you've you've done a tag for the support team. Who's there? Who's free? But you do raise a good point. Yeah, and I've actually in my, I think it was my second or my third book, probably my second, which is over a decade ago, I already say you need to put the medium with the message. Basically, you need to adjust uh, what do I want with how am I communicating this? And um, the phone is very useful for some things, but 
what I've been noticing is that, especially pre-pandemic, there were people who would pick up the phone for everything, while an email was much easier. You know, they, they would come with this massively complex problem and just call me and assume that I, you know, basically give me almost 20 pages of information and expect an answer. And I'm like, well, just send me the 20 pages of information. Let me go through it. Let me, I'm sorry, that's not something I can decide in five minutes because of your summary of of what was in there. So uh, I totally agree with you, Luz, that we are going probably the other way now on all of a sudden, everything is a Zoom meeting. And nothing is a phone call anymore. I've actually been noticing a lot of my clients are now asking, can I just call you instead of video call you, which is really interesting. And there's a lot more done over email. I, I would love to hear Akbar's view on that we're not we're not far enough that way. Yeah, so actually, I'll give you a real example. So I'm just doing an ATS rollout right now to around like 55 people. And I, I created a space in Kona, which is similar to like Notion. And it's like, there's a documentation basically glorified links to here's the ATS partner right there. I've recorded a loom of me logging on. This is what I do. This is what I do there. And then at the same time, it's a hashtag in our Discord server to be like, if you have any questions, this is where I can come to. And I'll say that that's taken around three weeks from launch to now everyone's on it, which is still a very, very small uh, number. I know some people in this call have got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people within their company. I just feel like don't aim for what is amazing about face-to-face because you're not going to replicate it. How can you hack? How can you buttress? How can you do something completely counterintuitive to work that way? So if you saw me in an office, I was that guy who'd be like, hey, one second. Uh, I'm that guy who liked that Thursday quick beer before everyone leaves. And me and Baz met at a networking event in real life. So I'm not going to deride the amazing parts of it. But I think with these new tools, we need to have new mindsets and new expectations. Yeah. Hey, listen, I just got back from a networking event 40, half an hour before this podcast recording. I mean, there is no way. And I just went there to build relationships, not for the content, not for anything else, but just literally in this case, because I knew half the people who were there, hugging people. And there's no better way to build a relationship of trust than when you know you need somebody than literally by having hugged them, basically. Then the next round of communications is that much easier, in our case, with, with these people on WhatsApp, because we know we can trust each other, because we've been online. And I mean, you go every quarter to South Africa to be with your team, uh, that's building more, probably more trust than actually doing work, I, I assume. Why didn't you tell us, Lucy, what was something on the agenda that like was must have is like high impact when you fly in that you'd find it difficult to do um, remotely? I think we, so we were, basically we had about four of us join around the same time. So we were quite a newly formed leadership team. And what, a must-have for us was to be able to sit in a room and really map out a process. You know, we were all asking the same questions. And yes, we have Miro board. And yes, it is absolutely awesome. For me, it's one of the best things to come out of the pandemic is I learned how to use it and it has changed my life. 
But saying that, you could not beat the conversation we had in a room with with a a whiteboard and a pen and in-person discussions because there wasn't that unmuting yourself. That wasn't raising your hand. It was just, what about this? How do we go deeper on that? How do we map this? And at the end of it all, we all agreed. We just got to know so much more about each other just from the questions we were asking and just being able to challenge each other in a really positive way and start with a hug, to your point. Um, so for me, that was that was really important. It was making sure that there were in-person meetings. At no point was I just milling around in an office on my own. And if I was, if I had that moment, it was walking around the office and saying hello to people. Now, we are a, a fully remote first company. So yes, we do have an office, but no one's expected to come. They do come. There's a bit of a balance. And we have a weekly kind of all hands as such where people tend to come to the office. They do the beer the afternoon beers together is quite sociable, but it's the the in-person interaction. And I think for me, if I was to move into a hybrid role, I'd be very clear about making sure that the days in the office, I'm not on those calls. The days in the office is about meeting people. What I found is once you have established the trust, which is almost always offline, the communications online are easier as well because you you can un, you can make a joke you know um you're less uptight in who can i say that or do they understand that there was a bit of sarcasm in there it's much easier if you've built a trust offline because the body language is better readable offline i mean I'm crap at reading body language and, and nonverbal communications, but online, everybody's crap at it. Yeah. I guess. And it's also that resting Zoom face. I, I have resting Zoom face and I've been called out on it a few times. Like, are you okay? No, I'm fine. I'm just thinking. It's just my resting Zoom face. Whereas I find in person, you're not looking at boxes, looking at people's reactions. It just, that's for me, seems to be a new observation that I wouldn't pay as much attention to before in a room okay well how about this so i've got a major uk job board has just released some info about uh, negotiation for candidates who is more likely to do it and what money do they get between men and women and then uh, we see that i think there's a 20 percent gap between men and women whether they uh change and then it's two thousand pounds to ten thousand pounds is the difference between the actual outcomes of the negotiation when we open face-to-face dynamics, yes, we are more human, but then humans are essentially more imperfect than we like to admit. Does that, or will that always accelerate those things that we just see happen every day that are wrong? I, I think it does. Yeah, no, I mean, it is harder, especially for people who care more about social feelings. Like, like Lucy said, and, and we've met basically also because of uh, social interactions. And actually, our, our first contact was on LinkedIn, if I'm not mistaken. And then you were in Amsterdam and you were like, do you want to get a coffee? And that's how I met Lucy the first time. But for people who are more of a pleaser, well, like Lucy is, compa- especially compared to me, because I don't mind being the asshole. Uh, that's actually usually my role, you know, I'm the asshole in the room. Negotiating offline is harder than online because there's some difference. You're willing to put your foot down more. Also, because you're not reading the room and you don't mind being a little more annoying because you don't have that relationship. So you you raise an interesting point there, Akbar. I think actually online negotiations would benefit the gender pay gap 
uh, as in for women. I'll try and uh, get a link in the notes. I think my, my point is that it's like I am a super social person. I've been rewarded for my behaviors across my career, but we over index for smiley, bubbly people like me. And then I think working remotely allows people to be judged in a drier, more fair way. So I, it's, if I look at my actually career, it's actually amazing. So I enjoyed so much aspects of my early career more, but I've been more successful over the last three, four years in all the important stuff. When I wasn't that guy bothering people for questions or I wasn't that guy being a nice bubbly guy outside the office. So that's kind of revealing to me. And I wouldn't want to over-index on introverts or over-index on people who couldn't make that life thing or can't afford to live within that uh, distance from that office that is weirdly always very close to the CEO or founder and where they grew up or where they live. Absolutely. And I think that, and, and then that swings to the other direction of the benefits of remote working is that it does open up that talent pool to your point of those introverts or people that can't can't get to the office. How many people five years ago missed out on opportunities simply because they lived in the wrong area or they couldn't afford the transportation? So I think that's definitely the benefits of it. And I, I know myself, I'm, I'm, if I'm interviewing, I'm more forgiving on a Zoom call than I would be face to face because you're making allowances that this perhaps isn't a natural environment for some people. They're not used to interacting on Zoom. So you give them more time to adjust and you don't judge the facial expressions. You're not waiting for those smiley bits. So that for me is definitely a strong pro for remote working. Yeah, and I actually think that we, uh, as you said, the talent pool opens up also internationally, of course. I mean, imagine the number of people who not just don't live in commuting distance in the UK or in the Netherlands or whatever, but also internationally. I mean, there are so many awesome talent pools out there. I mean, you're working for an African fintech. I think Africa is one of the places where there's just so much untapped talent in there, which is really difficult to to also get into Europe. I mean, Asia, and uh, there's there's a lot in there as well. So there's amazing untapped talent potential on remote work, but also, as you said, the introverts and the, the other talent. And actually, one of the things which uh, was on the event I was at earlier today, we were talking to P about basically the the self-employed and the temporary employed. Uh, We call them the modern workers. But one of the things which you notice in the Netherlands is there's an amazing amount of people who just, for whatever reason, psychologically, biologically, physically, are not able to work productively eight hours a day. But we're now not allowing them to work two or four hours a day or work work days uh, based on their energy levels, which if they work remotely, they could. One of my my old friends, unfortunately, he, he passed away a couple of years ago. He had the most brilliant mind, but the most useless body. I mean, literally everything from his neck down. I mean, he couldn't walk, but not because he was, uh, uh, he didn't have any spinal cords. He just was very spastic. So he couldn't walk because he would just fall over I remember he had a kid and it uh, they once timed it. It took him just over an hour to change a diaper because he, he just had didn't have to control, but he had a brilliant mind. As soon, 
you know, literally when, when things like Zoom started coming in, he was able to work, but because he also, because he had energy management issues, as he called it, because of all his disease, he could just work an hour or an hour and a half at a time, and then he needed a break. But he did usually more in an hour than the average person in the office did all day, but he could just do it two hours a day and working remotely, usually from from his special adjusted bed. And he added so much to different companies. That's why when I looked at that Nature article, I I thought it was like, it was a very blunt, like we're only going to measure this thing in this context, obviously for rigor. I look at, imagine the, like Stephen Hawkins, depending on if he was interviewed at 21, to 42 what the, the, the what if he discovered science then how duller our life would be potentially uh without it on a personal level for example i start work at 10 o'clock for like two reasons i hate the mornings number one but also i do baby duty from like seven to ten so that my other half maybe she can go for a jog take a long bath have a lie in anything like that and then that actually works out for my business because that means I can take more California calls around six, seven o'clock. And then I'm, I usually have more energy there anyway. And I've got like a European temperament regarding a late dinner. So I'm like, great, this is perfect for me. So on a very can change the world level to it works great for Akbar level regarding being flexible and remote. All right, Lucy. Yeah, so just just one thing on, on the data side, what you're saying there, Akbar, I think it'd be really and I'll throw this out to the audience as well, if anybody has seen this or has done this, a study around kind of retention, attrition, quality of hire, pre and post. So any companies that went either hybrid or fully remote, if they've done any studies around that since, I'd love to see that that information. All right. I think that's actually a really good note to end this on. I think we've concluded that remote should be here to stay. We've actually, we haven't even talked about the people who really, really hate remote and are unable to adjust to it, but that might be another topic at some point. For now, I thank you all for listening. Uh, If you like our podcast, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. We have an increasingly growing number of people listening to us, and we like to increase that even more. And we'll be back next week.